Hey guys, welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. I'm Derek. And I'm Ashley. Both raised in Marysville, Ohio, we decided to stay here and raise a family and start two small businesses because we absolutely love our community. We just want to take some time to celebrate the good people, places, and things here in our community that we love and share some of that good stuff with you. So, enjoy the good stuff. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Good Stuff Podcast. Here I have Mr. Ferguson with me, a good friend lender uh, that I've had the pleasure of working with recently. With the housing market the way it is, we thought, um, well, we're going to start a podcast and talk about all things uh, in your homeownership journey and improving that. But more specifically today, we're going to talk about rates. We're going to talk about um, what rates can do to your uh, your home value, what it does to your purchase power, all those kind of things. So thanks for joining me, sir. Absolutely. I know this is something that we've been talking about doing for a while, and I'm, I'm glad to be doing it with you. And uh, hopefully there'll be more to come. I'm sure there will be more to come. So. Oh, yes. So yeah. So I mean, one of the questions I think you and I both uh, see in the market right now, obviously, the key word of the day is kind of inflation and um, hmm. how it's impacting the housing market and, and kind of what we're seeing out there. And I have you know, clients constantly asking me, uh, what's the rate look like today or, you know, following up on a weekly basis. So I thought I'd do a little bit of a deep, deep dive into, you know, what kind of caused where we're at today, um, Mm -hmm. and how rates work, uh, in a sense. So, uh, let's kind of going back to, um, to when COVID was at its peak, there's a lot of talk about the federal reserve and kind of their policy and how it impacts mortgage rates. Well, Jerome Powell, the Fed Reserve Chairman, uh, you know, basically came out and said that uh, during COVID that the inflation uh, was transitory. So because we had huge supply chain issues, you know, factories were shutting down because of workers that had COVID, those types of things. And so, you know, that was kind of the Fed's outlook. And and they were uh, they had a, the, the effective federal rate was zero percent, which is uh, the rate at which banks can lend money to each other, essentially. So it was basically free for banks to lend money to each other. And the Federal Reserve was backing all of the the, the mortgages, basically insuring mm-hmm. the mortgages at that point in time. So let's fast forward to today. You know, inflation has been around for a little while, even though we've seen supply chains kind of ease up a little bit uh, now that COVID is kind of you know, uh, we're not out of it yet, but, but lifting a little bit, um, we're kind of easing back into a normal world. Um, and so what you're seeing is uh, the Fed will kind of come out and and hint at some of the things that they're going to do uh, when it comes to raising rates. So they will, uh, you know, hint that maybe they're going to raise the rate, the federal rate, you know, a quarter of a point or half a point in May, which they just raised it by half a point in May. So let's jump in. Yeah. And back up just a second. Sure. Because this isn't something I necessarily know, so I want your opinion. And yeah. so as uh, you guys are hearing this, I'm learning some of this as well. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's all confusing <laughs> stuff. So sure. I think one of the biggest mis- misconceptions out there is the Fed is the federal government. There's no official tie, correct? There's not. No. The, F- the Federal Reserve is, is supposed to be a uh, non-political body that really drives – uh, economic policy. So what their responsibility is to uh, find a balance within our economy, make sure inflation is not too high, make sure, you know, employment is where it needs to be. Um, and I think during COVID, uh, you know, during the peak of COVID, you know, the 
you know, we they wanted to make sure that the economy was as stable as it could be, which is why we saw interest mm-hmm. rates at historical lows. And really, if you look at it in historical perspectives, you still know, very we're low. still very low compared to, you know, we had historic inflation in the 1970s and we had, you know, ask your parents, grandparents, we had, you know, mortgage rates <laughs> at 15, 17 percent, even in the 90s, which you know, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And actually what we've seen in, in all of those periods is that when in, interest rates increase, uh, housing uh, purchases don't slow down within that time period. We've seen that on a historical mm-hmm. level. So, so and uh, very similar to what we're seeing today, you know, in in um, in housing, you know, housing is is continuing to to boom, uh, and interest rates are rising. Um, so, so yeah, so the Federal Reserve basically um, dictates and makes policy for just the economy. I mean, that's kind of their sole purpose. But the mortgage rates are really uh, driven by uh, the 10 year treasury bond yield. So if you want to pay attention to something, uh, if you're interested in, in what the mortgage rates might look like, I would say the number one thing to pay attention to is the 10 year treasury yield. If you can, because, uh, typically mortgage rates are one to 2% higher than that as it moves, right? One to two, one to 2%. So investors are kind of looking at bonds as a safe choice to invest in. Um, and if bonds, offer a higher interest rate, they're going to invest in bonds where if mortgages, you know, mortgage backed securities offer Mm -hmm. a higher interest rate, mortgages are going to, you know, take off. So, so, you know, you, it is kind of a give and take. Um, but the number one thing I would definitely pay attention to is that 10 year treasury yield. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, so they've, they've raised the rates. When was the first one? Like March? Beginning of March, March, I believe. Yeah. Beginning of March. Yeah. So since then, it's been a 0.75 increase, right? Yep. And so we went from about a little under 3% at the time from an interest rate standpoint. Yep. To today. Five and a half, six. Five and a half, six. Yeah. Um, how, how, so on a side note, how much swing when, when um, in the context of, hey, Jeremiah, where is the interest rate today? How much variability is there in a person's situation from I got a good credit score, a bad credit score, I make a lot of money, I make a little money, I've got assets, I don't have assets. Is it a pretty tight window or what's the fluctuation? I've always wondered that myself. That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I would say it does make a sizable difference. You know, it could be could be a point to a point and a half, depending on the situation that really? I see on a daily basis, depending on credit score, depending on the down payment, depending on... Um, you know, the debt to income ratio and some of the other variables that go into buying or in, and getting pre-approved for a mortgage loan. I think there are 11 or 12 variables that go into uh, what your Assessing mortgage rate. rate looks like. So, so yeah, so, you know, I have, when I get those clients to come to me uh, and they want to know what their rate looks like, you know, the first thing that I ask them to do is let's get you, you know, let's get you pre-qualified or let's get an application to look at so that we can, you know, so I can really be as accurate as possible right. with what rate we're looking at, right? Um, uh, because it, it does make a world of difference depending on, you know, credit scores, things like that. So well, those are definitely things to pay attention to. What would you say is the most important of the 12 or of the, you know, the major factors that go into what your rate is? What do you think, in your opinion? Or it's a good question. I would say credit score is definitely one of them. Um, and uh, fun fact, uh, they look, so we, when we, you know, look at a pre-qualification, we pull the credit scores from all three bureaus. So mm-hmm. TransUnion, Equifax, and um, Experian. 
And so what we use for pre-qualifying and two pool rates is uh, we take the middle score. So whatever the middle score is of those three is what we use to mm-hmm. determine what that rate's going to look like uh, for pre-qualification purposes, those types of things. So so I would say credit score is, is definitely uh, up there. Um, there is a really important factor that goes into buying a home uh, called loan-to-value ratio. And what that is is uh, how much is your loan versus how much the home is worth, right? And that is either the lower of the sales price or the appraised value. So the more of a down payment that you're able to put on your home, you know, your your chances of getting a better interest rate are definitely going to be higher. Gotcha. Is there a point where that stops? You know, I would say it, yeah. I mean, once you get past 20, 20-ish percent or so, it, it, you know, it tends to not matter quite as much, you know, okay. anything over 20%. Then the bank's numbers are good and yeah, it doesn't you know, really improve the, the situation. The risk portfolio of the file, you know, is is lessened, obviously. If you're putting down a sizable down payment, you know, the risk of you, you know, uh, foreclosing or something along those lines happening is is very minimal, right? And typically, if you're putting down less than 20%, sometimes you'll have, uh, you know, most of the time you'll have uh, what we call uh, mortgage insurance, PMI mm-hmm. is what it's referred to often. So. Uh, PMI is something that you're paying for on a monthly basis until you reach that, you know, 80% threshold to basically protect the bank against something happening, you know, mm-hmm. yep. you know, as a result of, you know, a correction or something along those lines. Um, so luckily, you know, we're in a pretty strong economy right now. Foreclosures are low, are very low, um, which I'm sure you're seeing, you know, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I think is factoring into home appreciation levels right now is just supply and demand Sheer is, supply is, what demand. is what you're saying. And so, uh, we're not, uh, builders aren't building as many homes as, you know, uh, nearly as, as many homes as what we would need for the supply right now. I think I heard something the other day that we would need, you know, builders would have to build five to 6 million new homes across the United mm-hmm. States to yep. catch up to demand, um, which is just a, a, a you know astounding number. So you've got a lot of people sitting on the sidelines right now, you know, really wanting to buy. And I think it's a great time to do that if 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 possible. For sure, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm still learning every day. I mean, it's just one of those things where there's so many variables and uh, so much to it that you know it's it's just an ongoing learning process. And guidelines change, you know, they change. And um, one of the things that I would say, you know, also if you're looking, you know, at buying a home and you're working with a lender and you know you want to get pre-approved look at the apr you know that's something that i don't think gets talked about very often but it's kind of one of those clouded like i know it's the interest but like yeah it's hard to really understand So the the... apr is basically the all-in cost uh, as a percentage of the loan so so what you're seeing today and what i've seen a little bit of is that because rates are a little bit higher um you know they're uh, most people have the ability to buy down the rate at closing. So you can actually pay, you know, mm-hmm. a, a percentage or two of the loan at closing to buy down your rate if you want to do that. Um, but they're, you know, based on the rates and the way the market is right now, uh, there are instances where that's kind of being baked in as a closing cost. And so one of the things that you really want to pay attention to when you're getting pre- pre-approved is not only the interest rate, but the APR. Look at what, you know, the all-in cost of the loan is. Is that uh, kind of a generic, I assume the purpose of implementing that, I assume at some point there was a situation where the regulatory body said, let's throw something in there that's a little easier for consumers to 
yeah. not have to do all the math, but they can say, here's one number compared to another place. So yep. you might be, you know, points and servicing charges or whatever, but the cost of the loan being baked in is that's exactly, the- I, I think, you know, I don't know exactly what drove, you know, that, um, to be implemented, but I think at the end of the day, it, you know, there probably came a point and, and it's still, you know, the number one question I get asked, I think on a day-to-day basis is what's the interest rate, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, yep. because a lot of people I don't think know about APR or what it means. And that's not to the fault of anybody. You wouldn't know, right? Because interest rate has become just such a prominent um, aspect of Point buying of it, a yeah. home. You know, it's, it's yep. you know, it, it affects your monthly payment. It affects your buying power, those types of things. So, so you know, by no means should you ignore the interest rate. But it is a good idea to take a look at the APR as well, just to make sure that you're getting the best APR possible uh, when you take into consideration not only the interest rate, but the origination fees, the underwriting mm-hmm. fees, all the fees that go into to a typical loan. Um, so the, just two great things to look at, I would say. Yeah, perfect. Um, okay, so let's start taking that more to a consumer-focused, what's it mean to all of you out there? Um why are we interrupting your day to tell you about mortgages and housing? Um, so I think one of the biggest things we, you know, that, that's coming through is, is now the right time to buy. That's one of the things we get asked. The, what's the interest rate? Is it a good time to buy in terms of is the rate going up? Should I buy before it goes up too high? Is the real estate market, is the housing market going to crash and all of this? Um, in general, I want to start by saying, if you need a house, now's the best time to do it. It's only going to get worse. One of my... Uh, quotes I enjoy applying to life a lot is when's the best time to plant a tree yesterday 20 years ago yeah right but right yes, right right um in the past and what's the next best option yep. now today yep. uh, housing I think in general uh you know a lot of people will ask what's where's it going should I wait in general housing always goes up yes um you know and a lot of the experts that I, I I've uh, observed lately talking about this topic that have a lot more knowledge and a lot more experience and in it, say, if you've only experienced the last recession, the 08 um, uh, housing-caused recession, um, which I think our age group and younger, that, that's been their exposure One. to recession. Exactly. And so everybody's kind of burnt by that, thinking that housing gets affected. Well, housing caused the Great Recession. Most of them don't um, affect real estate. I believe it's the last six of them. Only two homes have depreciated in value. Um, the Great Recession, and the other one only depreciated by about two percent, so not really depreciated at all. Right. That's that's kind of a normal normal flow. So I think all in all, things have been crazy for the last handful of years. One hundred percent. Yeah. And fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, things are only going to continue to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or I better. Yeah. And I I get asked a lot. You know, I think uh, I think a lot of people are waiting for a correction or or some sort of you know. Uh, you know, crash or something along those lines. And I think one of the things that from our perspective, uh, you know, as a bank and, you know, as a lender, you know, uh, there are so many parameters in play right now that weren't in play in 2008. Mm-hmm. So the chance yeah, that was one question I wanted to yeah, ask, like, where yeah. are we at? Compa- that, that Other than people having a lot of equity in their houses, which yeah. is one, one data point. What, what are the factors that are avoiding a recession caused by housing this time around. Yeah. So I think, you know, the number one thing, you know, there, there were laws implemented after 2008, you know, Dodd-Frank was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be able to show as a lender, um, 
a client's ability to be able to repay the loan, you know, re regardless of what type of loan and program that, that you're doing. Uh, because of things like 2008, you know, I mean, if you look back, ninja loans, yeah, ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets, right? So you had, you know, unfortunately, you had situations where you didn't have to turn in documentation and you didn't have to prove that you had consistent employment. I heard somebody say they, uh, a lender that serviced people back in that day, that they, if they needed to, to satisfy underwriting, they uh, they would print off a fake business card to submit to underwriting to show yeah. that there was a side business to create extra income. So we're saying we it, don't do that it, these days. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and that doesn't surprise me, but we yeah. we definitely don't. And you know, even when you look at underwriting, so there are so many, you know, there are documents that we have to collect up front, like bank statements, you know, W twos or ten ninety nines, you know, uh, and. Under the underwriter, you know, for anybody familiar or not familiar with that term, is a third party that has no interest in the loan, the bank. You know, they are looking at the loan and the file as objectively as possible. So they they have no interest or you know in in anything really, and so uh, they you know will send us conditions and they really look at everything as thoroughly as possible. You know, mm -hmm. they're looking at your bank statements. They're looking at your sometimes income to see if there's so. any. No. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could sometimes agree depending on the yes. appraiser, but, but, um, but so they're looking at everything as thoroughly as possible, uh, as they should. And, um, so, you know, that's one factor is, is on the lending side, you know, we're doing our due diligence to make sure that, you know, the client is truly pre-qualified and able to, mm -hmm. to, um, to, to be able to, to pay that mortgage payment on a monthly basis. And it's, it's a confidence builder also for the clients, right. To know that they're qualified and truly qualified. Well, and qualified by somebody that knows what they're doing. I think exactly. that's, that's a huge thing that, that kind of gets, it's over overlooked, you know, um, like you sent me a pre pre-approval letter for somebody that, you know, they were looking, uh, at about $250,000. You said, Hey, they're up to here. You know, and I think having those conversations with people of where are your numbers and, you know, from a practical standpoint for consumers, having an educational standpoint from a lender being able to say, here's where you're at. This might put you up at your ceiling, but here's where your numbers are, because sometimes lenders won't won't talk through that with clients. And so, yeah, I think, know, you know, one of the most important things that I, I would say to anybody that's, you know, in the beginning stages of getting you know, starting to look at a house or maybe, you know, selling their house and, and possibly moving into a new one is, is not all pre-approval letters are created equally, you know, um, you know, nope. th there, there are, you know, I, you know, most of the lenders out there are, are, are wonderful and they do their due diligence, but, but I would, I would definitely make sure that you're working with a lender that, you know, is verifying assets and asks for bank statements and in income upfront when they're pre-qualifying you, because the last thing that you want is to get into to contract, get put, halfway through, put and get earnest ruined. money on the table or something or along those lines, money. and and lose it. You I know? had an, a, a, a client put down five thousand dollars in earnest money. It was a little bit of a larger transaction back back in the day, um, and had a, a lender in town say, "Well, we didn't get to it, so just just ask for an extension." I said, "There's there's five thousand dollars of earnest money on on the line here for this client." All right, well, just just see what you can do. See if you can get an extension. Legally speaking, the seller can keep this client's money because you didn't do your job. It's amazing when you run across that. Of So one of the biggest pieces of advice I always try to give is, is unless you feel like you know what you're doing in all of this, find somebody you can engage with and that's going to engage with you that's actually going to, to dive into it and do all the things that you're talking about. 
uh, otherwise you might get into a position where you lose your earnest money or more importantly, I think the other thing that, that sometimes gets lost in all of this from a professional side is when uh, people get treated as files, not uh, as people yeah. and houses. And, you know, that, that goes back to kind of where this started. And, and the topic for me of the, of this is this is the utility of a place to live and live your life. This isn't a, an, it's an investment, but first and foremost, it's a place to have your life. 100%. You know, yep. so treating it as that through the transaction. And, and so having quality people, that's why I'm in this business. I can only assume that's part of it for you is the relationship and being oh able my to gosh. 100. engage uh, yeah. with people. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, it, it's so, you know, we, uh, we live in such a digital world now and, and I, you know, I, I, communication is so key to what we do to, to both what Derek and I do. Um, you know, making sure everybody is in the loop on when to expect to hear from you, how the process is coming along. And I get to know my clients so well throughout the process. And one of the reasons I love going to my closings is sometimes that's when I meet them. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I spend, you know, three to four weeks getting to know this person and talking to them and, you know, interacting with them. And, and so I think it, it's really important that you find somebody that you jive with and, you know, that, you know, is, you know, you have a good feeling about, mm-hmm. and that's going to do a good job in, in yep. as far as the communication goes. And Absolutely. just my two cents on it and, and kind of how I, I view uh, interacting with my clients and not that I'm perfect, perfect at it by any means. Um, but people that I work with, um, if you only hear from them when they need something or when you ask for something, usually I don't know if they're going to do go above and beyond, but if you hear from somebody when they're just checking in, continuing a relationship outside of, a transaction. I know it might not sound like the coolest thing to, you know, be friends with your, or, you know, build a relationship with your professional associates or people you do professional things with. Um, but to me that, that, um, that helps build trust and, and, you know, kind of to an extent you can live life with people and know that they're, they're there to take care of you. And maybe that's just my small town mentality. Yeah. Um, but to me, if if somebody has got your back when, when you don't need them, then they're really going to have your back when you need them. Agreed. I think one of the things that we've talked about is, you know, one of my taglines for, for my team is your lender for life, right? I want to, I want to be that person's lender, not mm-hmm. only on this transaction, but you know, I think the average is, you know, right now is people stay in their houses for about seven years before they decide to sell and, and maybe move or upgrade to something different. Is it 10 now? I just heard this morning. It okay. used to be seven. So now numbers so, are saying so about 10. So people are staying a little bit longer, but but, you know, I uh, make it a point to contact my clients throughout the year. And, you know, even with interest rates being up, I know it creates a little bit of anxiety for anybody out there shopping. But one of the things that I really often tell people is that you're not locked into that for the full 30 years. I mean, you are when you close and, you know, it seems like, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of cornered into this rate. But, you know, it's important to work with a lender that's going to give you a call if something changes in your favor. Right. And I think that's, you know, the market fluctuates as we've seen, you know, over the past, you know, 40 years, 50 Mm -hmm. years. So, so anytime anything changes, you know, in the, you know, in the client's favor, you can always refinance into a, you know, into a lower rate if, if that works out for you. But, but it's important to have somebody that's kind of got your back so that you don't have to pay attention to those things mm-hmm. on the back end. And even just touching base with people, you never know when their circumstances are going to change or Absolutely. whatever. And, and, you know, I think that's, that's, if there was one thing I wish people would do from a professional standpoint for real estate and housing, um, is when they call and say, Hey, I've done a bunch of stuff to get ready to sell my house. Can you come list it? 
I feel like I, at that point, my value can't really be con- contributed as much as it could be. Sure. Because planning and preparing and doing those things, I think, is, is usually the biggest opportunity to help people. I mean, the paperwork and the marketing and all of that that goes along with it is, is one side of it. But um, so anyway, I think, you know, kind of like the, the tree metaphor yeah. of, you know, being properly prepared to list your house is going to put you in a better position. It's going to be less, less stress. You're going to understand the process better because you prepared for it and whatever. And so I think just touching base with clients and having somebody that does touch base with you, um, we as professionals can know where you're at. And maybe there's a, a situation that dictates preparation or a refinance for a different reason Agreed. or a HELOC or, you know, whatever might come up. Yeah. Um, so it's not just with rate changes and different things that might be advantageous for you. It might be your situation changes and, uh, you know, sometimes there's avenues well, this way. Well, and lenders offer different products. You know, one of the biggest things that I get mm-hmm. calls about right now are bridge loans. You know, like oh, we, yeah. you know, it, it, from your standpoint, you know, timelines are a huge thing when you've got a, some, you know, people want to buy a house before they sell or list theirs. And so, and then you're in this situation where you've, you know, you either have to extend your closing out to be able to sell your house and draw the funds, you know, from that closing to put down on your new house. So, so, you know, that's, that's a product that not everybody has, you know, it's something, you know, that, that we offer where, you know, uh, we can put it on the pre-approval letter to say, Hey, you, it, this offer is not contingent upon you selling mm-hmm. your house. Right. And so which is huge by the way. Yeah. And it gives you some time, <laughs> right. To get, you know, it's, it's, Buying a home is an emotional and stressful situation in itself. Yes, sir. And then listing yours and getting it prepared for showings and, and those types of things is, is stressful. Well, so. and to, to second that, that's stressful but easy because people want a listing. So the emotional kind of jump from I'm going to sell my house, prep my house, not to interrupt you. Yeah. And then you're going to go on the other side of the coin and be the buyer where you have to compete and beg. And I just heard an agent earlier today tell me for a house in Marysville, not like a mansion or anything, as part of their offer, they offered the sellers an all-expense-paid trip to anywhere in the U.S. No way. For like a week or something. Really? And their (laughs) offer wasn't accepted because... Legally, there was no like guarantee to right, it, you know, because it's right. kind of a pie in the sky, right? Not a normal thing, but just a we crazy situation that um, is anyway. So, oh uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah, and going and on to, the emotion to go back, yeah, and there's you know uh, things like appraisal waivers that you know some lenders have the ability to to kind of. Um, you know, it's not something a lender can guarantee, but depending on the circumstance, if you're putting down, you know, a sizable down great, payment, yep, if you've borrower. got a good credit score, and if you live in a neighborhood or you're buying a home where there's, you know, comps that are, you know, more recent, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, you, you can have an appraisal waiver and appraisal gaps. You see those all over the place now where, you know, it seems like, you know, a lot of homes right now are going above list price, you know, and the average you, right now, FYI, 5% over asking price 5%. as of this morning Is for it, the last 30 days yeah. in, in Columbus, we're seeing, you know, homes go for 40 to hundred thousand dollars over, over asking price, you know, on a day-to-day basis. But, but again, it goes back to the demand, right? It's just, there's just not enough supply on the market, you know, and there's just a ton of people that are wanting to buy. And, and there's only going to be more this year, FYI. Yeah. And I can't blame the people that, that want to rent, you know, but if you look at renting historically, you know, you're not, a home is an asset. It generally, not generally, almost always appreciates over time, you know, renting. 
if you take care of it (laughs) yeah yeah with running you're not you're not really putting your money you know towards uh an asset per se uh obviously you've got a place to live and that's wonderful um but you're starting to see rents rise as as close or more than where homes are appreciated yeah. yeah so so you have a lot of people kind of being forced into hey we've got to either look for a place to live or you know find a place to rent so so tough situation for many, but uh, listen, I would say, and you you just alluded to this, there's no better time to buy than now. I mean, in my opinion, I think, you know, uh, the market uh, is, uh, you know, it, it, it's only going to appreciate. I mean, there's news, uh, you know, in Columbus, you, you see building all over the place that the Intel plan is coming to Columbus. And I mm-hmm. think especially in this market, especially in this area, uh-huh. you know, you're going to see... Um, Oh, okay. Minutes. Okay. Oh, was it has, has it been 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, right. when you're not watching we the can, clock, we can we can wrap we can wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 20 minutes. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll wrap yeah, up. Yeah. Um, oh, now it's another <laughs> 10 um, minutes in. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah, definitely the Intel plant and all those things that have that have come um or are coming in the building. Um yeah, it's now's the time to buy to uh to kind of sum everything up. Definitely the time to buy interest rates are going to go up or down? You know, I think term. I think what we what we've seen and to, to kind of wrap up my conversation about interest rates, you know, what we've seen is that there was a lot of anticipation of the Fed increasing rates and a lot of that was baked in. You know, we saw interest rates mm-hmm. move very quickly in March and April. Um, obviously, the Fed has only increased by a quarter of a point to, you know, or three quarters, three quarters. Yep. of Yeah, three quarters of a point. But you've seen interest rates rise, you know, two points. So. So, yeah, there are forecasts of, you know, maybe there will be more than six rate hikes from the Fed this year. But that's kind of been baked in already, you know, mm. so which caused this, the expedient rate. Exactly. Crime. And yesterday we saw an improvement in rates. And so it, it, it work. We've kind of hit, in my opinion, this, um, you know, it, it's stabilized a bit. Will they go up a little bit more? Uh, you know, it's definitely possible that they will. But I think a lot of this was baked in at the beginning, um, you know, as the Fed tries to fight inflation and kind of, you know, tame it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So moral of the story, time to buy a house. If you need a roof, if you're trying to play the numbers and play the market, uh, unless you're an expert, I don't recommend trying to, you know, invest in property and whatnot. Um, Unless that's what you're trying to get into. If you're just trying to do it on the side, I'm not sure if uh, that's a great thing to do necessarily. I don't know. But. If you know what you're doing and you're really invested in it, yes, it's real estate's always going to go up. Absolutely. Um, just like buying a house to put a roof over your head is the most important thing is going to uh, be a good idea. If you want to rent, it's a different story. Um, but as real estate professionals, we always advocate buying a house because uh, yeah, that's what we do, and uh, partially because we believe in it. And you know, that's a good and good it's thing worked to build out for both of us. I mean, yeah. personally for me, it's been you know one of the best decisions I could could have made from you know early in my life on, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I've, you know, I'm so glad I did. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of people can say the same thing. Yep. So to wrap, you know, last comment, if you're going to start, you might as well start now. Uh, it's not like there's going to be a crash predicted anytime soon. So, so move on forward by house. Obviously we'd love to help you out, but, uh, reach out to a professional, um, get, get educated. You know, we've, we, uh, obviously enjoy talking about this as we're doing now. Uh, so either of us would be happy to communicate with you, answer questions or, uh, grab a, a drink here or there. Um, okay. So, you know, since we're going to continue this conversation on our own, uh, real estate related podcast, uh, 
but this is the good stuff podcast yeah um so normally we have i didn't prep you with this normally we have a good stuff challenge okay so if you were to so basically i'm, I'm gonna you know I like working out the shop so i I'm going to build some window boxes this quarter to give away to people to put windows, window boxes up and have flowers and whatnot, partially because I have to build some for my wife. So yeah, figured I'd just do another set as a giveaway. But anyway, people that participate in, you know, doing some good stuff and helping build community um, or the other thing uh, that gets you in the running is to write a local review for somebody in the local uh, economy. Obviously, I'd prefer you write one for me if we've done business for together. For sure, yeah. Um, or for you, sir. Yeah. Because um, we both appreciate that. But uh to to go back to building relationship and engaging with with our our world uh what would you know we've obviously had a variety of you know buy some you know pay it forward buy something for sure. the person behind you yeah but yeah i mean one of the anything. things that i do on a consistent basis hopefully this answers your question is you know i i i'm a volunteer uh at the dream center uh which is actually in columbus but um oh. it's a uh you know there's uh it, you know, we meet once a week to uh, help feed the homeless population mm. up there. Um, and it's really great just to, you know, shake hands and, and hear stories and um, see smiles on faces. So so that's something, uh, you know, uh, that hopefully falls into the good stuff category. Yeah. So if it was a uh, challenge, yeah. you challenge people to go out and I volunteer. Would yeah, volunteer if you can. I mean, it's free and it's, um, it's you know, I think one of the one of the. Um, most soul lifting things that you can do is, is give back, you know, to your community mm-hmm. and to other people. Yep. Yeah. I, I have heard scientifically proven that the only, the only two things that are scientifically proven to guarantee an uplift in your spirit is serving others and learning something. I agree completely. I couldn't so agree more. By yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, this is maybe going to be our first uh, 36 minutes. We're just shy. Of. Yeah. I'm going to say 40 minutes would be a good one, but anyway, I like to ramble a little too much. Same. But, Well, thank you, sir. I look forward to continuing the conversation and see you guys next time. Thank you.